Brother Dan works in India and says it's tough to get Hindus to listen to the gospel in normal daily conversations. But when God performs signs and wonders, it opens hearts for his love. For instance, one woman tried to take her own life, but instead she ended up putting the power of God on display. She actually crushed up some glass and she ate the glass and it was in her system. They wouldn't take her in the hospital, so they took her to my friend's church. And so she was there all through the night and people were praying through the night for her. And the following morning, yeah, she was fine. I mean, it was amazing. And you know, God did a miracle. And so through that, you know, there's several families that have come to the Lord. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we're in the studio this week with a a man we're going to just call Brother Dan. If you've been listening to Voice of the Martyrs Radio for a while, you know often we don't use last names. Sometimes we use fake names. Sometimes we use no name at all. Uh, But this week, we're going to talk to Brother Dan. He is a gospel worker in the great nation of India. Brother Dan, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Uh, Thank you. Nice to be here. Now, Dan went to India for the first time in 1992, which is 25 years ago, and he moved there about six years ago. So now he is full-time based in India. Dan, how did God get a hold of your heart for the nation of India and eventually say, I want you to move there? (laughs) Up to 1992, I, I really hadn't thought much about going to India. But there was a brother that would come to our church in Guthrie or Edmond, Oklahoma. He was coming to India a couple of times a year and having pastors' conferences. And he uh, he could see that I was interested in what was going on there. I had started supporting Gospel for Asia, and I don't even remember how I got connected with them. But I was supporting them financially. And so I had an interest in what was going on in India, but hadn't thought about going there. But he invited me to go there and... So I prayed about it, and immediately the Lord put it in my heart, and by the time we were finished with that first trip, I was hooked. You were in. (laughs) (laughs) India is a long way from Edmond, Oklahoma. There's a lot of airplane hours between here and there. Right. Now that you're living there and and doing gospel work there, what, what does your day look like? What are some of the ministries that you're involved in, and how does it work as a foreigner in a country that is predominantly Hindu? Well, the Lord's given me a lot of favor. I can say, you know, in the 25 years I've been there, uh, only by His grace, I've never been attacked, never been beat. Of course, I guess that'd be a blessing, but I'm I'm thankful. I feel like the Lord just put a shield. I really do. I feel like He's just put a shield around me. And, you know, every time we, we go into a situation that could be potentially violent or hostile. He always makes a way out of it. You know, I've been very thankful for that. I just praise God. You know, it's been a great blessing. When I went there, I mostly went there to preach. You know, that was what was on my heart. 
is going to the villages and to share the gospel. And as I was going to village to village, I began to realize, you know, the Lord had more on his heart than what I had on my heart, you know, and that was to help, you know, some of the people there to fulfill the callings and the ministries that they have. Tell me about one of those situations or an example of, okay. of something like that. Um, every week, usually, we try to take some of our children in the children's home and go and do ministry. Right now, we just mostly do Sunday schools in different villages. But in previous days, we would actually go to different villages. And some of them, we didn't, you know, we only knew a believer there. And the believer is willing to open up his home or he was willing to give us a little plot of land, and so we would take our speaker system. And, you know, it's a little bit more free in that area where people are still able to use their loudspeakers and in most places. So we went and we started the meeting. And we could tell when we went into the village, there was some men there, and one of the elders, uh, he didn't look very happy, you know, about us <laughs> He going was not there. welcoming. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, he walked off and, you know, we didn't think anything about it. And, but he turns out he had gone to the center of the village and there's usually men gathered there and some of them are drunk. And, you know, so we had a mob coming back basically to shut down the meeting and run us out. What's, what's going through your mind when you're there to minister and you see that mob coming towards you? How Talk, no, talk just, me through what you're thinking. Yeah. Just just praying, you know, God, God, protect us, especially protect the children. We're wanting to get them connected with ministry and, and sharing the love of Christ with other people. And, you know, but we don't want them to get, get killed. Right. <laughs> you know, they're just going to school, you know, and they're they're in our home because their, their parent or grandparent put them in the home. They didn't really choose this life, mm-hmm. you know, but how do you how do you prepare yourself when you're going into a situation like that just praying just praying trusting the lord you know lord we're we're all praying you know lord give us favor with the villagers protect us you know from any violence or anything you know that would come about and and he has he really has now there's been times where I was down in uh, uh which is further south and is a little bit more fundamental hinduism there you know, there's some meetings where we had scheduled meetings and they just never took place because the local villagers would not allow them, you know, to take mm-hmm. place. India is run by a, you know, now by a federal government that is uh, strongly Hindu and laws could be passed and it could transform the, the spiritual environment of the entire nation. And so I try to prepare our children for that also. You know, right now, they, they can't really get it in their minds, you know, because right. they've never experienced these things. And so trying to prepare them, you know, God has called us to a life of sharing his word, sharing his love, but not everybody wants to hear that. You mentioned the, the new federal government uh, with Prime Minister Modi, who, as you mentioned, has a a Hindu nationalist background wants India to be 100% Hindu, uh, no Muslims, no Christians, nobody else. How has that changed the atmosphere as far as persecution since he came to power 
uh, now, what, two or three years ago now? Yeah, I think it was 2014 that he came into power. We haven't seen a big change in in our area, area. but in other areas that uh, previously they had less problems. Hindus and those that we might consider more radical or more fundamental in their beliefs, they've always wanted to cause problems for Christians and close down the churches and things like that. But when the when the Congress party was ruling, and it was more of a secular-type government, even they, they might be Hindus and Muslims, you know, in their personal beliefs, but they ran the government more in a secular way. And so, you know, that kind of put a restraint, mm-hmm. you know, on a lot of the Hindus, you know, and Muslims, you know, from persecuting people and attacking churches and things like that. But now they're more encouraged because they know there's probably not going to be any repercussions. You know, there's not going to be any consequences to the things that they're doing. So I know I've, I've got a pastor friend in Tom Monado, and he's he shared, he shared with me that it's very difficult down, and he's in Coimbatore, which is a big city. And it's also a pretty good hub for a lot of Christian ministries. And But he said there's a lot of churches that have been closed down and, you know, persecution taking place. We had a pastor seminar just about a couple months ago in Andhra Pradesh, and one of our guest speakers was from Coimbatore. And he was asking me to pray for him because he said he had been blessed with a plot of land there in Coimbatore, but he was really concerned what was going to happen when he actually tried to build something mm-hmm. on that land. And so, you know, those those type of things are taking place all over India. So in, in the area where you're ministering, what happens or, or what does it look like if a Hindu becomes a believer? Is persecution from the police? Is it from their family? What are they likely to face as a Hindu who says, okay, I'm done with Hinduism. I'm following Jesus now. It really just depends upon the family and the environment that they're living in because uh, a lot of Hindus there, they don't really understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. (laughs) So they've just incorporated him as one of their gods. And so they don't feel real threatened. But when a believer actually... You know, when they come to Christ and they actually take baptism and they stop going to the temples and they stop, you know, worshiping the idols, you know, that, that creates some friction. But the more people that are stronger, they're more staunch in their beliefs, the Hindus, it's pretty much like it would be in, in a lot of places of India where, you know, they, they may be kicked out of the home, you know, they're beaten, they're threatened, uh, they may lose their village rights to use the well, to lose their ability to earn income because when word gets out, you know, that they've become a Christian, the field owners may not give them the opportunity, you know, to work in their fields. You know, those those type of things happen. If I'm hearing you correctly, the the main thing is how their family responds. If their family is against them, then bad things are going to happen. If their family is a little more accepting, then maybe they're fine. Maybe Yeah, that's that's true. And also it depends upon the village. Okay. Because villages there are, they have their own little governments 
where they have village elders. Mm -hmm. And if the village is totally Hindu or totally Muslim, then it's very difficult, you know, for a person to come to Christ. They don't want... (laughs) It's better when God does miracles and things like that, and it opens doors, and it's a little bit difficult to deny you know, when some miracle has taken right. place, when they've been crying out to their gods for a long time and nothing's happened. And suddenly, you know, some uh, healing or deliverance takes place. And Do you have a story of something like that that, that you've seen? Um, not, well, I've heard of, you know, like entire villages coming to the Lord. Wow. I, I haven't personally been involved with that, but I have a friend that's a pastor that... Uh, he does ministry in, in almost entirely Hindu villages, and most of the people in their churches are from Hindu background. And there's one particular village there where there were no Christians at, at that time. And it was, you know, one lady, she was healed of cancer. And it opened a door into that village where previously people didn't even want to see these pastors coming into the village and so it kind of gave them an open door to be able to come in and at least start praying for people. Right. They wanted to be prayed for. If you see for, someone you healed know, of cancer, see. you say, hey, come to my house, right. too. I want to I wanna get in on that. And then there's a couple other healings. You know, one I don't remember, but uh, another one where a lady had, uh, she tried to commit suicide. She actually crushed up some glass, and she ate the glass, and it was in her system. And, uh, you know, the neighbors, now her neighbor had come to Christ at this time. They rushed her to the hospital, and the the hospital wouldn't even take her. It sounds ridiculous, but a lot of the hospitals don't want anybody to come into, they won't admit somebody if they're pretty sure they're going to die. So they don't want anybody (laughs) dying in their hospital. So they wouldn't take her in the hospital, so they took her to my friend's church. And so... She was there all through the night, and people were praying through the night for her. And the following morning, yeah, she was fine. I mean, it was amazing. And, you know, God did a miracle. And so through that, you know, there's several families that have come to the Lord. And now, you know, our children's home, we're going there every, usually every two weeks and doing a Sunday school there. And more than half of the children are from Hindu families. Wow. That's awesome. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Talk a little bit about Hinduism and why miracles are such a big deal. Because, you know, having visited India, the idea of Hinduism is so oppressive to me. There are millions of gods. If something's going wrong in your life, you need to figure out which of those millions of gods you have offended, why this trouble has come on you, and then try to make it right with that god without offending one of the other gods in the process, it just is such an oppressive, uh, hard way to live. Why does something like a healing or a miracle kind of break through that and just open the door for the gospel? Well, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're desperate for answers. You know, I, I can remember, you might remember uh, Amy Carmichael. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of her stories that always has stayed in my mind as a little girl, 12-year-old girl named Otterlai in India. She had a problem with anger. I mean, her friends didn't want to be around her. And so, you know, it wasn't a, doesn't seem like a big thing to us, but it was to her, you know, and she couldn't get free from this anger, this bad temper that she had. And, and she went to her father, 
and they would pray to the God. She would go to the priest. There was no change. She would go out into the field. One time she went out into a field for hours and just crying, crying to the gods, and, and no, nobody helped her. And so one day she was going to the village well to get water, and Amy Carmichael and part of her team was there, and they were preaching the gospel. And the man that was preaching, he said these words. He said, you know, I was like a lion, but God, God turned me into a lamb. And, you know, she, she began, that stayed in her mind. She wanted to understand who is this God that's actually able to change our character. And so she secretly you know, began to go to Amy's meetings, and she ended up being beaten and cast out of her home. But even as a teenage girl, she gave her life to the Lord, ended up living with with Amy. And, you know, there's so many stories like that. You know, the people we do ministry with there in India that Voice of the Martyrs is is sponsoring, their ministry started years ago because uh, the man was an elder in his village, a staunch Hindu. He was a drunk. He had married a Christian lady, but they didn't really think anything about it because she didn't have a chance to read her Bible. She didn't have a chance to go to church. And so they basically just forced her, you know, to stay with them. And she was losing hope. She was losing heart. But the thing about it was for five years, she was barren. And that brought so much shame to him. And there was an evangelist that previously they never would allow people to come inside their village. But he was desperate. He needed help. They had cried to their gods, and they didn't have any answers. And so this evangelist, the Lord spoke to him to go to them and pray for them. And, you know, this man's heart was prepared. And so he allowed the man into his house, prayed for him shortly after she conceived and now the, the little boy, you know, that was born, you know, he's the leader of that ministry that you're, you're sponsoring there. It's not just the gods. It's fear. Mm-hmm. The whole realm of fear, you know, to where they are afraid of the consequences. It's the same with Islam. That's the main thing, I think, that holds people back. You know, they're afraid of the consequences. They know it could cost them their life. It could cost them their business, their wife, their children. It could cost them everything. So uh, Satan uses that, you know, to keep the people in bondage. But, you know, they become desperate, you know, for help. And so God intervenes. And uh, and yeah. once you see God intervene like that, you will follow him. <laughs> I mean, this is the God who answers prayer. Hallelujah. This is the God yes. who helped us have a child when we couldn't have one. Right. Of course we're going to follow him. I, I mean, it's, yeah. it doesn't even become an argument anymore. It's like, well, he's the God who does stuff. Yeah. Of course I'm going to follow him. And that one man, you know, that evangelist or, or the evangelist that was in that area, I can't remember if he was, he had to leave or if he died. I don't remember. Well, that man that would. His wife was healed, or he was healed, and they had the baby. He became the evangelist, <laughs> and and now they're doing ministry in many different. It's a tribal area, and they're doing ministry in di- many different villages. Many have come to the Lord. It is so cool to hear that God is still at work. He's still moving. Uh, the things we read about in the New Testament are still happening. <laughs> People yeah. are coming to Christ, and yeah. miracles are happening. 
We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Dan. He is a gospel worker in the nation of India. Dan, on a on a daily or weekly basis, what's the greatest challenge for you in your ministry there? Uh, well, it's I don't know if it's so much related to persecution, but uh, it's it's a need for godly people within the churches to rise up mm-hmm. with a heart to serve. You know, and that's one of our greatest needs and, uh, you know, that we're praying for often, you know, people that are willing to lay down their life for the children. You know, we have uh, children's homes and, and a lack of godly staff that's willing to give their life for those children. And then, there, you know, we have a widow's home. Well, we can't. We haven't found anybody willing to go to stay at the widow's home. Wow! You know, and and watch. You know, these ladies, and you know, when they go into that home, uh, you know, they're usually in their their latter years, sometimes their latter days, and so that means you know somebody has to clean them, somebody has to help them take a bath, and all those type things. So, you know, it's a. Uh, it's been very difficult, but I know they're there. I mean, yeah. definitely God's people, and you know, He puts that calling within people's hearts, and uh, you know, that's what we're lacking. That's what we're praying for more than anything right now. I'm reminded of of Jesus' words. You know, the fields are ripe for harvest. We need workers. Pray right. for workers to right. go into the harvest fields. Yeah. And uh, that's true in India. That's true in other places as well. And that kind of ministry is not glamorous, you know, uh, working yeah. at a widow's home, helping people clean themselves. It's it's not a glamorous work. Right. Uh, it's and, a work that God has to call you to. And it's a it's you know, the we have a, actually we have a boys home on the same property. And the people that are taking care of the boys are also supposed to take care of the widows. And but, you know, it's it's a repulsive thing. They've never done that before. And the lady, you know, the, the wife, you know, she's really struggling with that part of it. And here, the one of our widows, she fell down, and she was hurt. And so she needed help to go to the bathroom and all those things. And she was, you know, using the bathroom in her clothes and all those. Uh, the man who's overseeing the boys and one of the boys is doing that work. You know, so we're thankful that our children are having right. an opportunity to learn some of these things. And hopefully they'll keep that heart throughout their lives. As we think about praying for India, one of the things we always want to do on Voice of the Martyrs Radio is equip people to pray. How should we pray? And I think both pray for the church, and I think you've hit on one, pray that God will call workers. But how can we pray for the church? How can we pray for the nation as a whole and for the unreached in India? Uh, well, some some things that come to mind. We're doing pastor seminars, and and also Voice of the Martyrs is sponsoring some mm-hmm. pastor seminars. There's a real need for equipping the pastors, and that God would just do a, a mighty work. He He promised that He would give us shepherds according to His heart, and you know. Just really praying that God will bring a revival, you know, within his church worldwide, not only to sanctify his church, but also to fill us with the love of God, you know, so that 
We're not just concerned about doing our duty, fulfilling our obligation, giving our tithe, and then it's finished. You know, we, we have a heart for hurting people, and we want to do what we can, you know, to meet those needs that are there. Amen. We have been talking this week on Voice of Martyrs Radio with Brother Dan. He is a gospel worker in the nation of India. Dan, thank you for sharing. Thank you for your heart. And uh, God bless your work in India. We're going to have some folks praying for that nation this week uh, all over this country. So uh, we invite people, we challenge people, pray for India this week. Dan, thanks for being with us. Okay, well, thanks for having me. It's great. You've been listening to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. As always, you can connect with us online at vomradio.net. You can listen to this interview again. You can hear every other episode of VOM Radio. You can subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. All of that on our website, vomradio.net. Next week, we're going to hear stories of how the Lord is at work in Nigeria. Please be back next week. And in the meantime, be praying for our brothers and sisters in India. We'll see you next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.